It's a command that comes across explicitly and implicitly pretty much on every page of the Bible. And it's what we're called to as people that belong to Jesus, the body of Christ. We should be people who love each other deeply. Now, I'm sure I don't need to convince any of you of that. I think we all agree that we should be people that love each other deeply. And I think pretty much everyone, Christian or non-Christian, church or unchurched, I think everyone would agree that to be a loving person is a good virtue that we should all pursue. Whether you're in the church or not, I think most people, 99% of people, are going to agree that to be a loving person is something that we should all aim for. And that's great. But the problem is, is that the word love can mean different things to different people. The word love can mean different things in different context and so I could say to you this morning I really love football and that would be true I could say I really love Cornwall and that would be true I could say I really love Ian and that would be true And I could say, I really love my wife. She's not here this morning. But I could say, I really love my wife, Emily. And that would be true. But in each of those examples, love means something different. At least I hope it does. Because if my love for Ian is the same as my love for my wife, well, then we're in trouble, right? We're in trouble. If my love for football is the same as my love for my wife, well, then we are in trouble. Love means different things at different times and to different people because there are different kinds of love, right? There are different kinds of love. And so this morning, what I would like for us to do is just spend some time together reflecting on what it means when the Bible commands, when God commands Christians to love one another deeply. What does it actually mean for brothers and sisters in Christ to love each other deeply? Should our love for one another be the same as our love for Cornwall or football or food? Or should it be something deeper and wider than that? And I want us just to spend some time reflecting on that this morning. And what I've got for you is not going to rock your world. This is not rocket science. You've probably all heard it before. Uh, But really the job of a preacher is just to remind his people what God has already said. And so that's what I'm going to try and do for us this morning. And the way I want to reflect on this uh, question of what does it mean to love one another is by going to a verse that we referenced briefly last week in the book of Peter in the New Testament. Can you flick it on for me, please, Nigel? Thank you so much. Peter says this. Peter, who was one of Jesus's best friends just before he was about to die and leave the earth, he left 
Uh, he wrote a letter to the church, leaving them some instructions about how they should live and behave and what they should believe once he had gone. And towards the end of his letter, he says this to the Christians in Europe at the time. Above all, above all, most important, priority number one, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. I really just want to anchor into that verse this morning and begin to unpack and reflect on it a bit further. I think this is a helpful verse for us to begin thinking about what Christian love should actually look like. And I think this verse shows us that Christian love is two things, at least two things. Christian love is fervent, and forgiving, or Christian love should be fervent and forgiving. Peter says, love each other deeply. That word deeply can equally be translated as fervently. In fact, some of your Bibles, it may say, love each other with a fervent love. Love each other fervently. What does it mean for love to be fervent? Well, it means many things, but I think at its heart, it means that love should be consistent. In other words, not up and down, not sporadic, not when we feel like it. It should be consistent. It should be urgent. It should be our priority. Number one priority, above all, love each other deeply with an urgency. This is what I'm called to today, is to love my brothers and sisters consistently and urgently and passionately. Christian love should be zealous, not flaky, not weak, not timid, but zealous, consistent, urgent and zealous. And interestingly, this word deeply here, in the original language that it was written all those thousands of years ago, it carries the idea of something being stretched out or extended towards. This word carries the idea of something being stretched out or extended towards. A very similar word to this word deeply is used several times in the Bible, but one particular occasion, it's used in Mark chapter 1. It's not going to be on your screen, but you can turn to it if you like. There's a story in Mark chapter 1 where a man who had leprosy, nasty skin condition, uh, a condition that would have ostracized him from the community. He comes to Jesus, we're told, in Mark chapter 1. And he gets down on his knees before Jesus and he begins to beg Jesus to heal him of his leprous condition and in mark chapter one there we read that jesus when the man came and knelt before him we read that jesus was moved with compassion and he stretched out his hand towards him and touched the man and made him well it's a really powerful picture i think of what Christian love should look like. It's a love that reaches 
out in the way that Jesus reached out and ministered to that man's need. That's what Christian love should look like. It's a love that reaches out, that stretches out. It's not a passive love. Christian love is a proactive love. It reaches out. It's consistent. It's urgent. It's zealous. Proactive, not passive. Now, this is not often actually how we hear love being explained or understood in the world that we live in today. I've uh, been watching a program on TV recently, and you can judge me if you want, but I do find it quite entertaining. It's called I'm a Celebrity. Get me out of here. Anyone watch that? Yeah? 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 I mean, it is an entertaining program. Like, I can't get away from that. I find it interesting. For those of you that don't know, a bunch of celebrities go and live in the jungle for a few weeks in Australia, and they don't have much to eat, and they have to do all these kind of weird and wonderful and scary trials, eating spiders, playing with snakes, etc., etc. It's really interesting. It's really, and I know most, more of you watch it than put your hands up. I know you did. I know you did, for sure. Uh, but I've been watching it this, this season, and, um, it's on pretty much every night. And there's a bunch of celebrities in the jungle. One of the celebrities is Matt Hancock this year. Matt Hancock, who was the health secretary during the COVID crisis, right? And you all know, of course, you know the story. There was a lot of scandal around Matt Hancock at that time. Because at the very same time as he was telling all of us to make sure we're socially distanced from everybody, make sure we don't, you know, kiss and cuddle and touch people who aren't part of our own family, not allowed to shake hands, not allowed to give anybody a hug. At the very same time that he was telling us all not to do those things, he was captured on CCTV, kissing and cuddling somebody who was not his wife. And so it was a scandal. Everyone was in uproar about it and began to accuse him of barefaced hypocrisy. And so there's a little bit of, um, I guess, people look at Matt Hancock in different ways at the moment. And anyway, he's gone into this jungle with a bunch of other celebrities. And on one occasion, the conversation came up about this scandal. And some of the other celebrities in the jungle began to question him about his behavior at that time began to confront him about his hypocrisy. And they began to ask him, why, Matt? Why, when you were telling all of us to keep our distance, did you ignore your very own standards? And Matt Hancock's defense or his response to the question was, he acknowledged that what he did was wrong. He did hold his hands up and say, I know what I did was wrong. But, he said, I couldn't help it because I fell in love. I fell in love. It's really interesting because I think that's often how we or how many people in the world today understand what love is. Love is, according to Matt Hancock, a feeling that happens to us or a power that overcomes us. 
According to him, love was something he fell into. He couldn't help it. He was a passive bystander. It just happened to him, and it made him do things that he knew he shouldn't do. And so for many folk in the world today, love is a feeling that happens to us, and it's a power that overcomes us. And I'm not really trying to suggest that that is entirely wrong. But what I am trying to suggest this morning is that is not at all what Peter is trying to push us towards as the people of God. That's not the kind of love that Peter is pushing us towards with these words. Love each other deeply is a proactive love that reaches out. It's not a feeling. When we're called to love each other deeply, we're not called to sit and wait until we get these warm, fuzzy feelings within us that make us want to go and reach out to our brothers and sisters. Love in the Christian church is not so much a feeling that we have, it's a decision that we make. It's a decision we make. We don't just sit around and wait for this overwhelming feeling of love to cause us to get up and go and minister to one another. It's a decision we make. We choose to reach out towards one another in love. And it's a decision we make consistently, deeply. We choose day by day to stretch out towards one another, to reach out towards one another in love day by day. Not just when we feel like it, not just on Sunday mornings, but day by day we reach out in love to one another. So that's part of what Christian love should look like. Love each other deeply. It should be fervent. Christian love should also be, friends, forgiving. Peter says, love one another deeply, for love covers over a multitude of sins. An interesting few words there, isn't it? Love covers a multitude of sins. Now, we're all good people in this room. At least I think we all are, right? We're all good people. Nobody in here is... Somebody I would class as a bad or malicious person. All good people who by and large have good intentions. But friends, we are not perfect people. Amen? We're not perfect people. All of us are imperfect and we do have a tendency from time to time to do things and say things that dishonor God and that can hurt and upset and disappoint and offend even others. It happens, right? It's unavoidable. It happens even within the life of God's people. We do sin against God and against one another. Sometimes it's unintentional, just a mistake. Other times it's more deliberate, but it happens. We can't avoid it because although we're all 
good people, I believe. We are all imperfect people. And loving one another deeply, I think, means in part that when these things happen, when we offend, upset, hurt, disappoint, let down one another, when these things happen, we need to try really hard to make sure that the relationship isn't destroyed and that the church isn't divided. It's not always possible, sadly. Sometimes there is sin within the body of Christ that is so grievous and so damaging that there is sometimes no other option than for a relationship to break down and for folk to go separate ways. Sadly, that does happen. And so I'm not suggesting that in every single case of conflict, in every single case of friction and offense between brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm not suggesting for a second that every single time our attitude should be just get over it and move on. Sometimes it's too painful. Sometimes it's too hard. And sometimes it's inappropriate, actually, for people just to get over it and move on. I'm not suggesting that that should be our posture in every single moment. But, and I want you to hear my heart here, I do think that as people that belong to Jesus, as people who are filled with the Spirit of God, I do think we need to learn to get really, really good at seeing the best in one another. I do think that we need to develop the skill and cultivate the posture of looking at one another and celebrating one another rather than denigrating one another. I think that's part of what Peter means when he says, deep love covers a multitude of sins. Because it's really easy I don't know about you, but it's really easy, I think, to focus on other people's flaws, isn't it? I think we, we, we tend to have a natural tendency to do that. It's really easy to emphasize other people's imperfections. But we're called to a love that covers a multitude of sins. And I think that means we need to be people who learn to see the good in one another and not focus on the flaws. That's what Christian love looks like. You know the classic description of love in the Bible? 1 Corinthians 13. It's read at every single wedding that you've ever been to in your life, right? You know that classic description of love? It's so powerful and so profound because we're so familiar with it. Sometimes we stop. We don't stop to reflect on it deeply. But this description of what love is, I think, confirms and helps us to see that part of what it means to love one another deeply is to see the best in one another. Listen to what it says. Love is patient. And kind. Love is patient. In other words, we don't lose our temper with one another when we upset one another. Right? 
We don't flip out or retaliate when somebody says something that offends or upsets me or does something that overlooks me. I'm not going to retaliate with aggression or malice. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. See, if, if, if we're people who carry and display the love that we're called to here, then we won't try and puff ourselves up. We won't try and make ourselves look bigger or better than we really are. But we're all kind of prone to it. And sometimes, friends, the way that we try to make ourselves look bigger or better than we really are is by making others look worse than they really are. We are prone to that. And so many times in my own journey and my own life have I fallen prey to this danger. I've used the flaws and imperfections and failures and mistakes of brothers and sisters in Christ to elevate myself. It's not that I don't like the other person, and it's not that I want to do them harm, it's just that I want to make myself look better. And one of the ways of doing that is by taking the flaws and imperfections of other people and putting a magnifying glass on them. It's so easy to do that, but Christian love doesn't do that, friends. Christian love doesn't do that. It doesn't beat others down. It lifts others up. And that's what we're called to. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Somebody does something, if a brother or sister in Christ does something that annoys you a little bit, Christian love doesn't allow itself to get irritated by the quirks or the idiosyncrasies of other people. Christian love is not irritable or resentful. You know, when somebody does or says something that annoys you, you don't have to get irritated by it. You know that. You don't have to. It's not easy, but we do have the power to choose not to get irritated by something. I'm not suggesting it's easy, because I know it's not. But we do have the power. And Christian love, Paul says here, is not easily irritated or resentful. It does not insist. Uh, Christian love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is partly, at least, I think, what Peter is pushing us towards when he says, you should love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Let's not get hung up, friends, on one another's imperfections. Let's not let the flaws and failures of each other destroy or divide the fellowship 
between us. I really want to encourage and challenge every single one of us, myself included, to reflect deeply on these things. To reflect deeply on these things. I hope, I pray, that we can be a body of people here at Hope Church who adopt a posture of deep, fervent, forgiving love towards one another. I hope and pray that we can be a people who work hard at seeing the best in one another. People who choose to overlook some flaws and imperfections in others for the sake of the body of Christ and for the glory of God. Sometimes we do need to overlook the sins of others. Doesn't mean we turn a blind eye. Love does not compel us, friends, to condone sin. But sometimes it compels us to overlook it for the sake of the body and for the glory of God. We don't use the sins of others or the weaknesses of others as a stick to beat them with. And again, please hear my heart. There are occasions when sin is so grievous and so damaging and so destructive that it cannot, simply cannot be overlooked amongst the body. And sometimes some sin needs to be dealt with in a decisive and a severe way. But when it comes to relational conflict, when it comes to personality clashes that are so very common whenever any number of people get together, I just think as the body of Christ, we need to get better at seeing the best in one another. And sometimes this means that we just need to make a decision in our own hearts not to get irritated, not to get hung up on what somebody else has said or done. And just in the quietness of our own heart, with the power of the Spirit before God, we just need to choose to forgive and overlook some things. Sometimes what this means is we might need to talk to somebody who's upset us. Sometimes we might need to pull someone aside and just say, hey, man, what you said there, that really upset me. And um, I don't think it honoured God, what you said. And I just want you to know that that upset me. And Sometimes you just need to talk to someone. We should be able to do that, actually. We should be able to do that in the family of God. And so this principle of love covering a multitude of sins, it can be and should be applied differently depending on the situation you are in. But what must never, ever happen in the body of Christ, is that we become the kind of people who whinge and complain and slander one another. That should not happen. That never belongs in the body of Christ. That kind of attitude and behavior never belongs in the church of Jesus Christ. In fact, just a couple of chapters earlier here, Peter, at the beginning of chapter 2, he says, you need to rid yourselves of all malice and of all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. He says, get rid of it. It doesn't belong to the Christian. 
It doesn't belong in the church and it doesn't form a component of Christian love. Malice and slander and gossip and deceit doesn't belong in the heart of the Christian or in the body of Christ. And so, yes, we hurt and upset and offend one another. Yes, we disappoint one another and let one another down. And sometimes those, 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 those problems, those challenges, they need to be dealt with severely and decisively. Sometimes they need to be dealt with quietly. But never, ever, friends, let's resort to slander and malice. Never. Don't belong in the heart of a Christian. Doesn't belong there. Doesn't belong in the church of Jesus Christ. The love that Peter calls us to should be fervent and forgiving. That's what we're called to. It's the kind of love we're called to carry and display. Because that's the kind of love, friends, listen to me, that's the kind of love that we have received. You see, you want to talk about a deep love. We need to talk about Jesus. You want to talk about a love that's fervent. You want to talk about the kind of love that Jesus displayed. You want to talk about a love that stretches out and reaches out. You want to talk about a Jesus who literally was stretched out in a posture of love, so stretched out that his body began to break. That's fervent love towards you and me. You want to talk about a love that's forgiving? I want to talk about Jesus this morning, who as he hung there on the cross, displayed so much love that it covered over a universe of transgression and rebellion and sin. And so we as the body of Christ are called to display a deep love that is both fervent and forgiving. And as we do that, all we're doing is reflecting and sharing the love that we have already received. You see, Jesus didn't get hung up about our weaknesses and imperfections, and he could have. If anyone had a right to get hung up on other people's imperfections and sins and weaknesses, surely it was the sinless, spotless Son of God, but he didn't. Rather than getting hung up on our sins and imperfections, he himself was hung up on the cross and he stretched his body wide in order to release love towards you and me. Love each other deeply, for love covers over a multitude of sins. We have received the deepest, widest, highest, longest love that has ever been possible to receive. And all Peter is saying to us here is reflect that same love into the world. This is what John, the Apostle John says. In 1 John chapter 4, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us 
and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That's the challenge. That's the command. And I wonder if this morning we can just take a moment to respond and to invite the Spirit of God to come and create this kind of love in us or to increase this kind of love in us. Because actually there is deep love in this body of people. There really is. I want you to know that. Feel it. Seen it in our short time of being with you, just a, just over a year. We've seen deep love, received deep love from so many of you in this body. And so we're just going to ask the Spirit of God to come and increase that even more in us, to come and help us guard ourselves against this malice and deceit and slander that so easily slips into our hearts and into our lives. And so let's just take a minute and invite the Spirit to come and help us respond to these words, to his command. I want to thank you, Lord, that uh, the love you have for us is not a passive, not a sporadic, not temperamental, not inconsistent. Thank you that your love towards us is fierce and consistent and true and focused and powerful. Thank you, Lord, that you... You stretched out towards us in love. Thank you, Lord. And I just want to pray, Lord, that by your Spirit, you would help us to do the same for one another. To have the kind of love that you have for us. Even as John says, this is how God loved us. Therefore, we also ought to love one another in the same way. Help us, Lord, by your Spirit. These things are impossible unless your Holy Spirit comes and creates it in our hearts and in the life of this community. So I just pray, Lord, that in this right now, Lord, in this moment, your Spirit would increase this kind of love in us, would increase our, our desire to be a people who love one another deeply. Lord, I pray against just, just the danger of of hearing one thing and doing something else, against the danger of these words going in one ear and out the other. Lord, it's so easy to hear your word and go away unchanged and unmoved by it. But Lord, I pray that your spirit would cause real change to take place in our hearts as a result of your word this morning. I pray that you would make us people who love one another deeply, who see the best in one another, who build one another up, lift one another up. And I pray you'll guard us from being the kind of people who 
who beat one another down and denigrate one another. That should not exist within the life of your church. But Lord, sadly, it does. And thank you, Lord, that in those times when it does, your grace is sufficient and there is forgiveness and there is a fresh start. But Lord, I pray for this community, this body of people, Hope Church, Lord, whoever you've called to be a part of this family, I pray it will be a place where people love one another deeply, where we love one another fervently, where we forgive one another quickly, where we overlook one another's imperfections easily. Lord, do it by your spirit, I pray, so that when you look down upon us, you would be blessed and delighted, that your smile would be on us. Build your church, I pray in Jesus' name, for the glory of the Father. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful. Bless you guys. Thank you. We're going to just sing a song just to bring our our time together to a close. It's a song uh, about the love of God. It's a song that says we're going to build our lives upon his love.